Fact Chat. Malcolm Turnbull announced that the laws of math do not apply here. <laughs> One of my favourite brands of comedy aerial is brown people and black people <laughs> making fun of white people. Senators have been dropping like flies recently. Shouting out the fact that in the Knowles-Carter family, women just have one name. Back Chat on FBI Radio. Yes, you're listening to Backchat, the freshest rap of news and current affairs on the radio. You're listening to your new presenters. Are we still new? I think we're still new. I think we are. We have three shows until we have to make or break it. This is community radio. It's competitive. So is it the voice? Yeah. Where are we going afterwards? This is, yeah, we either we either become stars or we we get. There are up. actually three red chairs in the studio yeah. right now. I'm scared. Is that? Did I just conflate reality TV shows? You I did. I don't know. Anyway, my name is Swetha Das. I'm Madison Connaughton, and there's actually been quite a lot of news this week. Yeah. I. So the big one that I saw was that Commonwealth Bank lost millions of people's records and didn't think to tell anyone for a couple of years until BuzzFeed uncovered that they had. God. The first legal pill testing happened in Groove in the Moo in Canberra. That was kind of a big one. That was a big one, and you actually were there. I, I, yeah, I was. I, I, I snuck in, got some pills tested, some some non-illicit pills yeah. I, <laughs> Sorry, for legal reasons. Please tell everyone what drugs you did get tested. Uh, I got a gastro stop tested, which is sort of if you are traveling overseas and you have a uh, violent reaction to food, um, you take a gastro stop. Yeah, but that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that it was in your bum bag that you took to Syria. Yeah, well, so when you travel, you can't, you know, for a reporting story, you can't get sick. So my, my doctor had given me lots of gastro stop and it was still in my but bum you just, bag. you don't clean your bum bag? Never clean your bum bag. That's <laughs> rule number one of, of doping. <laughs> but uh, the pill testing story is really interesting and um, quite illuminating. And you wrote up a piece for Vice on it. So if people want to read about it, yeah, definitely. just Google it. Definitely. I think it's called um, I Got Some Drugs Tested at Groove in the Moo. Yeah. Very direct title. So if you Google that, I'm sure you'll find it. Maybe we'll pop it up on um, on the Twitter feed as well if people want to go read it. Let's do but that. it was great. It was like really, really interesting to see how that process worked. And and successful, right? Yeah. So there was, I think, more than 100 people through the tent. They tested 85 samples, which is a lot for pretty small festival like Groove in the Moo it's pretty big around the country but in Canberra I think it's probably one of their smaller festivals a lot of people came through a lot of young people you know had a lot of conversations it was just I can't believe it happened in Australia really like, definitely it was a big step forward I hope it scales out yeah definitely no police officers no police officers look anyway. I still I'm still skeptical <laughs> the thing I thought was interesting you were obsessed with Daniel Andrews this week I'm obsessed with Daniel Andrews um, so he recently announced that the Victorian Labor government have put aside 172 million for almost 50 free TAFE and pre-apprenticeship training courses another 304 million for new classes and 30,000 TAFE places this is really awesome we have a clip from Daniel Andrews Let's see if this works. <laughs> but this is very simple. If you want to keep building the infrastructure that we need in road and rail, hospitals and schools, if you want to keep up that massive building program, then you've got to invest in the people who do that building. So this will come into effect from Jan 2019, which is incidentally after their elections. Yeah, this is the thing, Swetha. Is this just like another election year promise that isn't really going to happen? Or, or what's your feeling on it? No, I, I'm really excited by this. I think even if it doesn't happen, I think it's great that policies are 
looking back at young people and investing in those kind of skills and trade. Like, I'm excited by it. I think the discourse is changing. Hopefully, it's put into action. Yeah, I'd be curious to think what, uh, see what our listeners think Look, about it. I'm not, I, if anyone texts in and says they disagree with me, I'm going to be furious. Um, I actually don't remember what the text line number is, <laughs> so I'm going to play this grab. Fact chat. Text 0409-945-945. There you go. Please text us. Let us know how much you agree with me. Yeah, and and whether you would want to see this in New South Wales. Do you think it would be interesting if we had free TAFE in New South Wales? Do you think that would ever happen under Gladys Berejiklian's government? Who knows? Um, but we also have a couple other things up today. We've got Drew Rook coming in to talk about his new book. It's called One Last Spin about pokies in Australia. Really interesting. But first, we've actually got a guest in the studio that I am so excited to talk to. I am so excited to talk about this. So on Tuesday, a fantastic video went viral of science student and university medal recipient Jody Powell protesting the University of Sydney's investment in weapons manufacturing. The video is great. In it, we see a very calm Jodie hand back her medal to a confused lady and then pull out a banner from her robes, which reads, you said cut your ties with weapons dealers. Let's listen to, oh, okay. So we don't have a clip from the actual event, but we have Jodie in the studio. Can you tell us more about what happened? Yeah, sure. Um, I, mm, so I made the banner myself. Um, it's re- yeah, I'm pretty Homemade. proud of it. It's really nicely done. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, what does it say on the banner? It says, you said, um, cut your ties with weapons dealers. And then it's got the hashtag for the campaign, which is disarm unis. Um, yeah, so I had, yeah, I felt like I needed to say something at my graduation to highlight some of the hypocrisies of um, the university's values versus what it actually does with, you know, its money and time. Um so yeah, you, you were winning like a giant award at this mm. ceremony as well, right? So you, yeah. it wasn't just like you were going through the graduation and you were like, you know that kid who like dabbed at his graduation oh, and that yeah. went viral? Mm. Like, that's not Jodie. No, that's no. not Jodie. <laughs> that's not Jodie. <laughs> this was like you were winning like a prestigious award. You got handed this medal. You handed it back. Yeah, I thought about it a lot. I was like, because, you know, <clears throat> you watch everybody come up before you and you can see them on the big screen what they're doing. And I was like thinking before I went up, like, how am I going to do this so that I can do it seamlessly? And I was like, look, that pro chance looks really lovely. I'm so sure that she would hold that for me if I asked. <laughs> so I like, um, you know, she she gives me the medal and she congratulates me like, this is so rare. Congratulations for winning this. I was like, thank you. Do you mind holding it for a second? <laughs> I said, okay. And she was really baffled like oh you don't you know you're confused um but then yeah I wanted to like hold the banner so that the camera would be able to see it but then they panned away from me which is fine um expected perhaps. expected a little bit I thought there would be a lot more heckling um you know there was like a few shouts but like otherwise like it was pretty great like I, like silent reception and then like other people at the back were like cheering and I think that was just my fan club you know? <laughs> it <laughs> like, seemed pretty chill the video kind of pans to everyone around you and they're all just like yeah another day at UCID yeah 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 <laughs> pretty chill I'm always curious when these like viral moments happen though when you get off the stage when like this camera stopped rolling like did like the vice chancellor like grab you and be like what the hell (laughs) actually no so like after that moment I like turned like I had so much time because there was no one there to take me off stage so I turned around and just showed the banner real slow to all of the academics sitting behind me because I was like you probably haven't seen this 
Yeah, and then, you know, looking in the mall in the eye. And then I walk down the aisle and, like, again, nobody's stopping me. So I'm just holding it up, panning it both sides to, like, the students. Um, yeah, I really took my sweet time. And then finally I was like, okay, look, it's time to sit down. <laughs> like, the other person's coming up, you know. But um, so to give some context to people who don't know what, like, divest in... Mm. weapons um means like mm. why like what made you want to protest this at your graduation like what was there was there like a story or was like what happened before well um a person in the SRC called Lara who's part of the um disarm unis campaign um launched a freedom of information foi request um i think a couple of weeks ago like sometime during march or, or like got the results just before march which was basically a list of all the weapons manufacturing companies that UCID invests in um, and then also through her own incredible research found um all these partnerships that UCID has had like either ones that are like coming up or ones in the past um with weapons dealers and this is the kind of thing that I like you know you suspect but we just didn't have that kind of information about use like the depth of UCID's ties with companies like Honeywell and Tullis and um, Boeing and BAE Systems. How much money are they investing in these companies? Uh, In 2007 it was over over four million and over three million of that was in Honeywell and they um, make parts for one of the US's most deadliest drones. I mean, why are they? Did you know why they they'd be investing in these companies? Um, I suppose because the uh, the Australian government is like currently building up, building up to have its like biggest um, like arms manufacturing industry since it's ever, that it's ever had, and it wants to be a global exporter of um, arms and weapons, and it's you know building submarines, and in the absence of governments like um, pre- like giving funding to higher education um you know the university has to find its investment some other way and so because all these um foreign companies are coming into australia like arms manufacturers to build weapons you know they need universities to do that research and to do that work and to recruit essentially um yeah so i guess that's just where the money is and in the absence of government funding the university probably thought it was a good idea do you think that students were shocked about this? Like when the when the news came out that their uni was investing, like I mean, how much money was it? Was it like hundreds four, of millions of dollars? Four or million. Right? Oh yeah, it's, it's about five million. But that's just for 2017. Yep. I mean, we like it's hard to launch a freedom of information report for every year before this. You know, like you have to kind of inquire into specific years, and they cost money. So, I mean, hopefully we will be able to find out more. But just 2017 alone, it was over five four million. Yeah. It's like, it also, when I heard of this, I just couldn't believe it. It's just, mm. it sounds so out of the blue that a university for education would fund and these kinds of things. I know, like, our university uphold, like, the University of Sydney upholds itself as being, like, a leader, like, always, you know, leadership starts here. It's, like, the main tagline, a leader in peacekeeping, in um, moral responsibility in academic freedom, all these things. And then, so it says that with one hand and in the other is taking money from weapons manufacturers. So, yeah, it's completely hypocritical in my opinion. To play devil's advocate on this, like, the these companies don't just manufacture weapons, though, right? They, like, they manufacture lots of different things and, like, the university could say, like, we want to, you know, invest in engineering students or something like that. And these companies are some of the biggest engineering companies in the world. Like, Mm. do you think that that, 
is a legitimate response or like what has the uni said to you? Um, the uni has said in response that they only invest a very small amount of all the money they invest in arms manufacturing companies. Um, but, you know, I, I think any amount is like an unethical amount. Um, and in response to the argument that it's, um, you know, these companies do other things, I think the fact that they are still essentially profiting from war is enough reason to be cautious about investing with them you know we could invest our money in other companies that are actually trying to solve really immense social problems rather than start them and that um yeah aren't like causing destruction and 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 pain to so many people um so yeah i think there is a very strong moral imperative even if the university says that investment is small even if these companies do other commercial manufacturing um I think the university does need to make a strong stance that it doesn't support this as an anti-war institution. Well, uh, tell us more. Tell us more about the Disarm Uni campaign. What do you have planned next? Well, um, it's going to be a national campaign, and the idea is that we'll have um, small groups starting up in every university across Australia, and we'll be able to together find all the information that we need through freedom of information requests or um, other research and create. Um, and create a national report so that um, all of the ties are revealed. And then with that, all of these university groups can act individually in whichever way they like to challenge their universities. Um, Yeah, essentially to do better, you know, to be the ethical institutions that they um, advertise themselves to be. Yeah, great. And where can people go to get more information on this campaign? Um, Yeah, well, you can go to Disarm Uni's, the like at Disarm Uni's, the Twitter handle, and also Disarm Universities on Facebook. We have a group. And if you sign up, you can, um, we can give you, um, yeah, like updates. And there's also going to be a webinar on Monday. Um, There's a Facebook event for it. You can find it on the Facebook page where we're going to be discussing what our next steps are together if you're interested. I love Uh, webinars. (laughs) I love a good webinar. Also, you know what? Hopefully at my grad next year, there's going to be some drama because this was fantastic. I hope you protest (laughs) at your graduation. I hope I get the university medal (laughs) and then I will do a protest. That's the deal I'll make. Uh, Great. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Like We learned a lot and we'd love to hear what people think about this. So please... Text us in at 0409-945-945. Uh, but we're going to come back after a tune. We're playing Arrow by Body Type. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, and that was Arrow by Body Type. But, uh, Madison, we just got a text in. I know, this is very exciting, actually. We've got a text from... Okay, so it says... Jodie is a bloody well-spoken legend. She She's a bloody well-spoken legend. She was great, why, wasn't she? Why is anyone and anyone texting and saying that we're well-spoken legends? Um, I think because I don't know how to panel yet. And I don't know how to speak. Yeah, so <laughs> we're, we're both learning. Um, uh. But that's all right. That's what, that's what this is all about. We're all learning. It's a learning. It's a learning. Growth mindset. This is a learning. <laughs> uh, are you ready to learn about pokies? Uh, hell yeah. I'm very excited for this. We actually have Drew Rook in the studio. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Drew. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Drew, you have a book out. I do. Well, it is not out. Um, comes out next week. Comes out on Monday. Ooh. Hits the shelves on Monday. Um, and the launch is next Thursday at Glee Books at 6.30. 
Oh, cool. So if they for can anyone who's interested, yes, they can. Six thirty Thursday Glee books. That's right. We'll pop that up on the on the Twitter feed so everyone can come along. Definitely. But what is your book about? What's it called? What's it about? Give us the elevator pitch. Sure. Um, so the book is called One Last Spin: The Power and Peril of the Pokies. Um, and essentially, it's an investigation into the poker machine industry in Australia. Um, I started working on this book uh, in early 2016 um, and was inspired to write it after coming face to face with the human cost of um, poker machine addiction. Uh, I met one man who was heavily addicted to, uh, to poker machine gambling through a gambling treatment clinic associated with St. Vincent's Hospital. And he um, amazingly let me into his life in a very brave way and shared the experience of being addicted to the pokies in all of its um, gruesome and confronting detail. And hearing that um, really pushed me to look more at the industry and what I uncovered was quite shocking. I think the thing that really stood out for me, like you get heaps of press releases about books, like they come in all the time. But the thing that like really caught me about yours was like the opening line was like, Australia has pokies, like America has guns. Like that's shocking to me. And it was like, Australia has the most per capita pokey machines in the world. That's right. Like, how did that happen? How did we get to this point? It, so it goes back to uh, to nineteen fifty six um, is kind of the the beginning of pokies in Australia, and that was the year when they were legalised in New South Wales, specifically in clubs. Um, so they weren't legalised in pubs then, um, and immediately after they were legalised, there was a dramatic increase in the number of um, the number of poker machines and also the number of clubs um, that were operating. And New South Wales was the only state where pokies were legal for 20 years until 1976 um, when the ACT legalised them. But it was still relatively contained to those those two jurisdictions. They were illegal in all other states and territories um, and had been since they had started appearing in Australia in the early 20th century. So people, there were states that already knew that there was something that was like potentially dangerous about pokies. Yes. Um, there was there was a kind of element of um, kind of puritism in that prohibition. Um, but there was also an element of concern about the damage that they would do. Um, there was extensive lobbying and pressure by the gambling industry put on to state governments um, around the around the seventies, eighties, and they resisted. Um, and then in nineteen eighty three, the Victorian government commissioned an inquiry, uh, which was known as the Wilcox Inquiry, to look at whether poker machines should be legalised in Victoria. And that very um, very definitive report concluded that no, they should not be legalised um, for several reasons. One, uh, Wilcox said crime would increase. Um, two, businesses which didn't operate poker machines would be adversely affected. And three, there would be a dramatic rise in social harm. And Wilcox said that each of those reasons alone was enough to um, 
not legalize them, but considered together the case was overwhelming. And that report guided the gambling policy, um, guided the gambling policy of state governments um, for the next for the next five or so years. Economic pressures, though, grew, um, and there was the collapse of the state bank in Victoria and in South Australia, and the rise of the neoliberal um, neoliberal agenda, and the whole. Um, idea contained within that agenda of kind of deregulation and individual responsibility. And those were the factors which led to the kind of Lantana-like proliferation of pokies throughout Australia in the 90s. Um, in, uh, yeah, so it was really only in the 90s when poker machines kind of spread throughout pubs and clubs across Australia. Um, Western Australia held firm and can continue to not have poker machines to this day. Um, so there are no poker machines in WA? Only in only in the casino in WA, and even those poker machines that are allowed in the casino are a much less intense version than the ones that you would find elsewhere in the country. Wow, and so what is it about poker machines that is so addictive? There are, there are several factors. Um, a neuroscientist from uh, from the University of British Columbia, Dr. Luke Clark, who specialises in gambling um, studies, explained it to me that it's it's like a Big Mac burger. There is no one ingredient of a Big Mac burger. Big Mac burger, he said, that makes it so tasty. It's a combination of all these all these ingredients. And he Isn't said it's it the same with poker sauce? machines. <laughs> Well, what's the secret source of poker machines, I guess? Well, the secret source of poker machines is is the math. That's the that's the crux of um the design of poker machines which make them um make them very potent. And they are designed or the math is designed in such a way so that rewards, financial rewards or wins are given out at just the right amount of just the right intervals um and are just the right size to keep the player engaged and excited and aroused but also losing but they are um they are you're losing but you feel like winning is still that's right yeah that's right um and there are there have there have been and there are ongoing studies looking at the effect of kind of unpredicted rewards on the dopamine system of the brain, um, all of which show that unpredicted rewards produce a much more powerful response in the humans in the human brain than do unpredicted rewards. Um, added to the unpredictability of wins, which it must be said is common to all forms of gambling, whether you win on roulette, poker, lottery, poker machines, it's always going to be unpredicted. The differentiating factors for poker machines is, number one, the speed. They're incredibly fast and also they're very continuous. Um, there is no break between play um, and a game will can be played once every three seconds. Um, number two, and this is a very important point, is a feature in poker machines known as losses disguised as wins, um, which occur very, very frequently around kind of a third of all outcomes are losses, uh, losses disguised as wins. And... What that refers to is um, the uh, net, or the total bet which is made by a player. Say if it's four dollars, um, if they bet four dollars, the outcome or the win might only be worth two dollars fifty. 
it's a net loss of a dollar fifty in that case in that example. But the but machine like celebrates that um, that loss as a win, um, and there will still be there will still be lights and there will still be sounds at play. Yikes. Yeah, and then it's very clever. It is very clever. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of money that goes into um, research and development of poker machines, um, and a lot of skills from mathematicians from um, from industrial designers, um, graphic experts, artists, animators, sound engineers. It's a whole a whole kind of creative team which invests their skills to make a machine which, as those in the industry say, maximise a player's time on device, referring to the amount of time that a player will spend on that machine. So it's designed to be as immersive as possible. Um, it is intended to shut out the outside world, to concentrate a player's attention entirely on the screen and on the game. I guess going back to that comparison of Australian pokies and guns in America, sure. do people fight? For their right to use pokies as much as they do in America with guns? No, not so it's not more really. Like, do you think it's more of a government kind of lobbying groups that fight for pokies to remain in Australia? Or do we have like an NRA of of pokies <laughs> in Australia? <laughs> yeah. It's it's more that. So the that analogy um, refers to the political power of the gambling industry and the social harm that poker machines cause and the ubiquitousness of poker machines in Australia. People aren't, people really aren't fighting for their right to play poker machines. Only a quarter of the adult population plays a poker machine once in any given year. Those who play poker machines regularly, which refers to kind of um, once a week or more, is only around 4%. So there's a minority of people who play poker machines and a much smaller minority that play poker machines regularly. And how much money are they making off those people? Like, how big is the industry? A lot. Um, yep. <laughs> they're making a lot of money yeah. off those people. Are we people. talking millions, hundreds of millions, billions? Um, so last year there was $23.6 billion gambled in total on all forms of gambling in Australia, and of that 12.1... A quarter? Or less than a quarter? No, 20, $23.6 billion was the amount of... The total gambling spend and $12.1 billion of that was spent on pokies. So it's around half of the entire space right spend. now. <laughs> I'm so shocked by this. Wow. Well, no wonder. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I guess, well, you've taught us a lot today. And uh, people should definitely check out your book. Uh, could you give everyone a spin about that again? Sure. So it's called One Last Spin, and it is out on Monday. And the launch is next Thursday at Glee Books. Great. Well, thanks so much, Drew. Thanks for coming in, Drew. No worries. Uh, yeah, well, that's the end of the show today. That's it. Yeah. That's all we've got time for. Yeah, well, we'd like to thank our producers, Natalie Sekulovska and Amelia Zhao. And we're going to leave you with a track. This is Queen's Speech 4 by Lady Leisha. I got to see her at the Oxford Art Factory on Wednesday. She was phenomenal live. And I want you to listen to her banger, her absolute tune, Queen's Speech 4. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Back Chat.